0: Hello, Radio Family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor You've forsake tuned you. The he live loves you, my Bible Derek says Greer, he will keep you as the Church apple in Dumfries, of his Virginia. eye. There's God's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than life. the God that lives it opens your eyes to how
1: big of is. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our
0: hearts full of we God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or a get a copy of me reading yourself, through all the human scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you.
1: We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit DerekGreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to think big, do big, big.
0: But tomorrow can be bigger. Let's grow, got let the word over for you. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live
1: a life bigger than yourself. Hello. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We are so oh. glad that you joined us today. We believe that the truth of God's Word will empower you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. As always, you can get this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's Live Big message.
0: We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into God's Word this morning. Father, we thank you for your Word. Your Word says it shall not return unto your void, but shall accomplish your purposes. So Father, you know what you designed this word to, to cause to happen in each life, and we expect that just what you desire will happen, and we give you all the honor for it, and the church says, Amen. How many of you remember in Sunday school when you were a kid uh, hearing about the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Okay. So today we're going to be in a very, very familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going to look at it uh, probably in a way that you've never looked at it before by the time we get to the end of our text today verse 1 it pleased Darius Darius was the king of the Medes and the Persians they had just uh, defeated the Babylonians and had taken over and once Darius uh, got into power he set over the kingdom 120 satraps uh, no one knows it sounds like rat trap satrap you know what is what is a satrap but these were the men who collected taxes throughout the domain they were they control all the local officials and and these were the supreme judges in the province if there was a problem these guys were the ones who solved it these were very very incredibly powerful individuals these satraps that were established throughout the 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 empire and uh, scripture says they were to be throughout the whole empire from west asia and central asia all the way through east africa and, and northern africa All of that area was divided under these 120 individuals called satraps here. And over them, or over those 120, there were three high officials. These individuals answered only to the king. These were also extremely, extremely powerful individuals. They were viceroys. And out of this this three, there was one individual... Named Daniel. He was a Jew that refused to be limited by his ethnicity. He was a church boy that wouldn't let himself be limited by the church walls. He was, he was a man that functioned in a dog eat dog world, and he excelled in spite of it. He was a man of God, but he understood the world, and, and, and again, he operated in the world. And many of us, uh, you know, once we give our life to Christ, you know, our greatest ambition is is to do something in the church. You missed it. You see, as a pastor, I'm disadvantaged because in many respects, you know, throughout the week, I'm mostly meeting people in the church. But you, through working on your jobs and doing the various things you do, you have access to people I will never meet. And God desires to use each of us. The Bible says go into what? All the world. Did he say just go into church? No. Go into all the world and make what? Disciples of all what? Nations. Scripture says, again, we're to go into every realm. And if we just go into the church world, we limit God's influence. How many know we need God in politics? Dear God, we need God in politics. We need God in business. There wouldn't be the Enrons, et cetera, if there were more men and women of God in business. We need God in the school systems. How many you believe that? Yeah. In every sphere, you are a minister to your God when you take the testimony of Christ and the witness of your Lord into that particular fear of influence. Well, it says in verse 2, And over those 120 satraps, there were three officials, of whom David was one, to whom that all the satraps had to give an account. So God put a man of God over all of those powerful individuals in this particular empire. And by the way, the the ruler of the nation was not, he was a Gentile. He He was not a believer in Yahweh. He was not a believer in God. But God still worked his plan, and the president doesn't have to be a follower of Jesus necessarily. All God needs is an individual that would allow his people to function the way they—you got real quiet on me on that. (laughs) Did you know that the first century, Nero was the king? He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Matter of fact, he was persecuting followers of Christ. But God spoke to Timothy through Paul, and he said he wants men everywhere to pray for kings and leaders throughout the land that we might live peaceable lives, meaning we don't necessarily have to have a Christian, boy, it's real quiet in here, (laughs) a Christian leader. I just want a good leader. I just want an individual that would allow the church to be the church and won't get in the way of the church, because I found many people who call themselves Christians announcing laws, guys that will cause our Lord to shudder. So I, I, don't, I don't really care about your profession. I care about the life you live, and, and the, the, the vital interest of this land is that the church is allowed to be the church. I got way off base, but let's keep talking here. His job was to watch these satraps and cause them to give account so that the king might not suffer what? Daniel, this man of God, was a political armor-bearer In this dog-eat-dog world, the world of politics, and his only job was to watch the king's back. Daniel was a fierce boy, and he knew how to handle himself in all different types of arenas. And he was the set man and the point man to protect the king throughout the realm. Then on top of this, Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. This guy could not be stopped. But the Bible goes on to explain why. Because he had a what? excellent spirit. It says an excellent spirit was where? In him. What the scripture is saying is that Daniel had an exceptional attitude. What stops us in our lives is not really our circumstances as much as our attitude about our circumstances when they arise. This man, Daniel, was distinguished primarily by his attitude. When you go to work, is your attitude any different than the person in the cube next to you? What is your attitude when you go to work? Do you have an excellent, exceptional, outstanding attitude in spite of circumstances? Maybe even in spite of your boss. How do you handle your business? Daniel handled business with an exceptional attitude. You've heard me say this before. Why is the lion the king of the jungle? Can anyone answer? Well, yeah, he's not the fastest animal. That's a cheetah. He's not as strong as the gorilla. I mean, he can lift, you know, things 10 times his weight. He's not as big as the elephant. He, he's not as, uh, 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 certainly not as smart as the chimpanzee. What makes the lion different from every other animal in the jungle? His attitude. The lion is king because he thinks he's king. <laughs> <laughs> and if you talk to people who excel and achieve in life, you're going to notice it's not necessarily because they're smarter. It's not always because they work harder. Many times the only difference between them and you is an attitude they have about life and living. Daniel had an exceptional attitude. He didn't think like everybody else. And, you know, folks get upset with me because I, don't, I refuse to think like everybody else. You know, in the church world, we, we say that worldliness depends, you know, it's all about your dress and what you wear and, and what you're sipping and all the rest. That has nothing to do with worldliness. Worldliness is when you accept the boundaries of this world as your own. Worldliness is when you see yourself as the world sees everybody else. You just see yourself as a mere human. Jesus had a problem. He had no transportation. How did he resolve that problem? Not the way a man of the world would resolve He walked on water. <laughs> Remember Jesus had a, a tax issue? Remember? You know, they, they, they came. Y'all are quiet today. <laughs> he had a tax issue. What did he do? He said, Peter, the first fish you catch. And he caught that fish, and it was a coin in his mouth. Jesus was facing people who wanted to kill him, crucify him, kill him dead. How did he handle that problem? On the third day. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus had a very different attitude. He wouldn't let this world define him, confine him. He insisted on seeing himself the way God, well, he wasn't created. He's always been God. But he saw himself only in light of of what God planned and purposed for his life. He saw himself as the son of God. And I refuse to see myself as a victim in life. Do you hear me? Your attitude, you've heard this said, will determine your altitude, how high you go. And many times you're stuck where you are because you haven't made that attitude adjustment. And it's not about your intellect. You're a smart person. It's not that you're a bad person. You just have a bad attitude. Change your attitude and you'll begin to dominate like the lion in in the jungle. Scripture says, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. You may not think that anyone's paying attention to you, but someone is always watching. In fact, the trouble you're facing in your life may have everything to do with the fact that promotion's already already in route. You see, these men knew that Daniel was about to be promoted, and that's why they're about to create the trouble that they're about to create. Verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground or a, a, a complaint against David with regard to the what? kingdom. Don't think everyone's going to be happy when you excel and succeed and expand the kingdom of God. But Scripture says a wonderful thing. They could not find any ground for complaint or any fault. That's, that's a high place. Because he was faithful, and no error of fault was found in him. This man never took a bribe. He managed the king's affairs well. Daniel was doing I mean, he was just doing his thing. He was living the life, and he was operating the way God created him to operate. Then the men said this. We shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. In other words, they said the only way we're going to capture Daniel is if there's a pretext. This man is living this thing so hard. This, this man is, is out there running for God and, and he's keeping his precepts. You know what? The only way we're going to capture Daniel or snare Daniel is if we could somehow find fault with his God. Let's take a look at Daniel 17. I'm sorry, John 17, verse 14, and let's listen to the words of Jesus. And I'm going to pick up on what I just said a couple moments ago. Jesus said, "This I have given them your what? What made Daniel excel was not just the fact he prayed. How many you know we should pray? That's a good thing. But what made Daniel powerful was that he lived by God's word. Now a lot of folks come to church, a lot of folks pray, but not a lot of folk live in line with the Scriptures and what the Word of God teaches about living. Daniel lived the Word. Now, this is what Jesus said, I have given them your what? Word. And the world has done what? Hated them because they are not what? They're in the world, but not what? Spiritual opposition only comes for one reason, and it's to steal the Word of God out your heart. The only thing that could defeat the devil was the Word of God becoming flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. The only thing that can defeat the adversary in our lives is God's Word. So what he does is he does everything within his power to take the Word. He'll give you a song instead of the Word. He'll give you a melody instead of the Word. He'll give you a church service instead of the Word. But the thing that the devil is most frightened of is what? The Word. Did that make sense to anyone in the room? So what you want to do in your life is keep the adversary at the end of the word. The word is the sword of the the spirit. It is the word of God. and, And the Bible likens it to a sword. And it's the only offensive weapon in the full arsenal that God has given us. The very, very word of who? God. Mark 14, 16. Let's take a further look at what Jesus says here. Jesus says this. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the what? The devil doesn't mind you hearing preaching. He doesn't mind church bells and incense. He doesn't mind all that. But there's one thing the devil will fight, and there's one thing the devil does mind. And that's when you start to hear God's Word. He says, when they hear the Word immediately, not six days later, as soon as you hear the Word of God, you become a target. The adversary instantly wants to steal it because it's that Word that makes you powerful. When they hear the Word immediately, they receive it with what? they say amen in the service, they get excited in the service, they, they say hallelujah, but the problem is the faith is in their head, but not really in their heart. And they have, no what? Root in themselves. There's no depth. It was a superficial fancy. It was just something to do on one Sunday. But when, when you finally make a commitment to God's Word, and you let it take root, not just in your brain when you know a few scriptures, and you remember, but, but when it's deep down in your heart and you begin to live that thing, you begin to own that thing. That's when you become powerful and that's when, when the devil loses his, his authority in your life. It says here, and they have no what? Root in themselves, but endure for how long? Just a couple Sundays. Then when, pay attention, tribulation or what? Persecution arises. Why? On account of the What? Why does persecution and, and, and tribulation come? For one reason. Because of the Word of God, to get you to back off of God's Word. You know, for us to walk away from God's Word would be like a soldier in the middle of the battle to drop his gun and, you know, just stand there. Many of us, we allow the enemy to talk us out of God's Word right in the middle of the fight. He'll, he, matter of fact, he, don't, don't feel you're special. Remember when Jesus was caught up in the, the Mount of Temptation and... and uh, what did, what did, what did uh, the devil say to him? He said, if you're the son of God, God turn this thing into, God, turn these stones in, into bread. But th- th- then he found out, you know, Jesus, how did Jesus respond? It is what? Written. How do you respond to the devil? It is what? If you don't know the word, how do you respond? A lot of us always have some church ideas. It's vital that we learn the word of God if we're going to put the devil at the end of our sword. But then Satan began to understand, you know what? Jesus, he obeys the word. And by the way, how many of you know that Jesus was the Word of God? And he could have come up with something clever to say, but what does he do? He quotes Moses. Moses is just a mortal. But Moses still spoke the Word of God. Peter, James, and John, they were mortals. They were not Jesus. They're not our Redeemer. But it was nonetheless the Word of God in their mouths. And when I use that Word, there's power released in this life and right now. What did the devil decide to do? He said, okay. He said, okay, you're going to follow the Word. So he said, Jesus, isn't it written that if you jump off this temple, that the angels will catch you in your foot, uh, catch you unless you dash your foot against the stone. What is he doing? He said, OK, I can't take the word from you. So what I'm going to try to do is twist the word. So once you make a decision that you are going to obey God's word, no matter what, that the word of God is final. Then the second issue is you need the whole counsel of God. You need to get in a place where they teach the full word, not just a favorite message on Sunday, but they're in this thing line by line by line by line. So you know this word, and Satan cannot use it and twist it against you. The most powerful thing in the universe is what? God's word. God created the earth through what? His word. In the beginning, God said that there be light. It's his word. And then man had a problem. We have sin, going to hell, all the rest of the stuff. What did he do? He sent his word Emmanuel, God became flesh, died on the cross uh, and resurrected from, from the But the short of it is, the way God deals with the problem is always through his word. The Bible said he sent his what? word and healed them all. And until we make God's word the priority, we're not going to operate in the level of success that men like Daniel did. Let me finish this here. He says, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulation and persecution, what? arises on account of the word. Why does tribulation and persecution arise? To get you off the word. Why does the devil keep doing that? Why does he keep tribulating and persecuting? Because it works. He wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't effective. But he knows that the human beings that, you know, we're we're often more concerned about our circumstances than the truth that we say uh, is, is absolutely forced. Does that make sense to anyone in this room? Let's go back to Daniel 6 and verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement. These guys conspired against Daniel to the king, and they said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. Flattery is like cologne. It should be stiff, but never swallowed. How many of you agree with that? Darius here is about to swallow. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, they all agreed That the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into where? The den of lions. What are they doing? They're appealing to his ego. They were attempting to make this man or have this man cause himself to make himself a god. And they knew that Daniel would never go for this. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, He went to his house where he had the windows in his upper chambers open toward Jerusalem. What does Daniel do? He did what he always did. You need to practice the way you're going to play. He got down on his knees. This is the most powerful position you will ever find yourself in life. He got down on his knees before a holy and loving God. Three times a day. Now, this was a busy man. He had a kingdom to run. He had a king to protect. But but I've learned in my life, the more you have going on in your life, the more time you need in prayer. He got down on his knees. He made time for prayer three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Did you notice what the text said there? People were trying to kill Daniel. People are about to to destroy his career, trying to destroy his reputation and his favor with the king. But Daniel not only prayed, he what? Gave thanks before his God. In the middle of a fatwa, Daniel is is, is worshiping and thanking God for the goodness. What's your excuse? How many of you have people, now you might have a few people trying, but how many of you have actual people trying to kill you? I mean, you got hitmen that, that about to take you out. Daniel, in the midst of that, he found a reason to give what? Thanks. The Bible says that the mark of the last days will be several things, but out of the many things, or, or there's a limited list of things, one of the key things was in the last days that people would be ungrateful. We would no longer be thankful for the things God has given us. And we find that in the modern world, and it's a mark of, of the time we're living in. If the microwave food is not done in, in a minute and a half versus two and a half, oh, we're ungrateful, we're mad at the machine, and, and, and the world is not kind. If we don't, even though we're driving a, a, a healthy, a whole car with air conditioning heat, but because we're not driving the Mercedes like the neighbor, are you hearing what I'm saying? Somehow God doesn't love us, and somehow we're unthankful. I mean, we, you know, we we have a few setbacks, maybe a little bit of traffic, but at least you have a job to go to. You hear what I'm saying? In these last days, people are so ungrateful, and we we were, man. You know what? Maybe you lost your house, maybe you lost your car, but you still got your health. You're still in your right mind. Okay, your wife's giving you some problems. Okay, your husband gives. Join the living and breathing world. Everybody married got problems. Daniel, in the midst of people trying to kill him, destroy him, he got down and said, so thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you that you love me first. Lord, there's none like you, Lord. He found reason. What is your excuse for that scowl you wear on your face? What is your excuse for the anger you have in your car? You know, someone just cut you off. In the midst of people trying to kill him. He only got one life. I'm not talking about someone trying to take his stuff. Someone trying to kill him. David got on his knees and gave thanks. Paul said, in Scripture, we're to give thanks to him in what? All things. Remember at midnight when Paul was put into the inner prison? His back was bloody. He had been beaten. God gave him a dream to to go somewhere to to teach the gospel in Macedonia and and the result was it was a bloody beating. The Bible says at midnight, Silas and Paul were heard worshiping and giving thanks to God. Are you hearing me?
1: This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
0: There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's Word, we have power to overcome it. 1 Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to Him. Because he cares for us. Second Timothy one and seven reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation, but in times like this, we look to what God has put in us to overcome what's around us. And I want to encourage you to build your faith and find peace in God's Word. Go to GraceChurchva.org to listen to my latest series titled No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we will get through this together.